0: Don't miss the blessing of the season you're in because you're looking for the next one. I loved this quote from one of today's guests and the author of The Good Mess. Now, before introducing both of today's guests, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around until the end of today's show for our Let's Get Real Practical segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take the topic discussed with today's guest and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. So let's meet those guests. First up is Debbie Morris. She is an author and pastor in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, who delights in helping women understand who they are in God so they can discover their destinies and experience victory in life. Next, we have Elaine Fisher. Elaine Fisher is an author, speaker, and pastor in Houston, Texas, and is passionate about sharing authentic revelation from the lessons she is learning as God writes her story of redemption and freedom. So if you don't know yet, Debbie and Elaine, this is a mother-daughter combo. They have written this book, and I also just want to give you a tiny bit of a backstory on them. I've known them for years because they became family when I got married to my husband, Matt. So Aunt Debbie, she's one of those women who has challenged me in my faith and reminded me to keep first things first. She's the wife of Pastor Robert Morris. He's the senior pastor of Gateway Church, who also wrote the foreword for my book, Image Restored. And our family has been very blessed to sit under the leadership and teachings at Gateway. Now, Elaine is, she's not only my cousin, but if you don't know Elaine, you need to be following her because she is a strong woman of God who has inspired me to be bold in my walk with the Lord as I have stepped out, even here in this online space, to share my faith. Friends, I know you're going to love them as much as I do, so please help me welcome Pastors Debbie and Elaine to the show. Well, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I am thrilled to be sitting here today with not one, but two guests, Debbie and Elaine. Welcome.
1: Well, it's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. So let's jump in. Something I ask all of my guests is what is a random or fun fact about you that if I was reading your professional bio, I would not know?
2: Uh, For me, it'd be that I like to drive fast (laughs) and I really like to drive fast. So, oh, she's handed that down to all of her children as well. (laughs)
0: You know, hey, since we're on the topic of driving fast, yes. There's been something just really on my heart that I've been like, you know, if I ever get the opportunity to just share this public service announcement, I will. Do people know that the left-hand lane is for the fast drivers?
1: I mean, I think we should really help (laughs) people understand that. And if you don't want to go, but fast is above the speed limit too. Like if you're going the exact speed limit, then you need to get out of that lane. Yeah. You know? Anyway, Um, just I don't drive scary fast. (laughs) By the way, just (laughs) well most of the time, (laughs) (laughs) but I do like to drive fast. Yeah, she does.
2: I love it. Okay,
0: Elaine, how about you?
1: Probably my most random fact, which I think more people are starting to know this about me, but I don't eat chicken or eggs. So I have a very unique diet. Yeah. Is that hard? Uh, It was at first. I got rid of about 40 things out of my diet. So that was really, really hard at first. But I actually feel a lot better. It's made a big difference in my health. So yeah, now it's easier.
0: Yeah, it's a little more motivating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, I love that fun fact about y'all. And I want to, you know, what we're here talking about today, you two have written a devotional called The Good Mess, Finding Beauty in Imperfect Moments. And one thing I always love about interviewing authors is there's usually a story behind why did we set out? Because any author knows it's a lot of work. You don't just sit down one afternoon and decide, I'm just going to do this and it's here tomorrow. It's a process. Uh, I personally feel like you just have to be called, you know, feel like, yes, Lord, you've told me to do this. So I want to hear from both of you what inspired you to write this.
2: Well, one day my sweetie said to me, y'all need to write a book together. <laughs> and he apparently said it to the right people. And they started collaborating and they came to me like, we need to write a book. You and LA need to write a book. And um, so I was like, okay, I'll need a lot of help. And uh, they agreed to that. But I was like, I don't want a book that gives the appearance that We've got it all figured out, or that we're perfect. It has to be uh, real to where we live and uh, the struggles that we've gone through, and uh, and are going through. Like we're not shielded from troubles because we're in the ministry, or because we've reached a certain age, or anything like that. We all have have troubles, and I just said we have to keep it real. And so we started just kind of dreaming about what kind of book would we write and um,
1: so you want to take it over yeah I mean it kind of all started from that I think for as long as I can remember mom and I've had the heart just to I mean mine grow grew as I Grew up underneath her, but we always had a heart to help people. And so anytime we've shared together and just kind of told our story, obviously I have a past and we'll jump into it, but we've walked through a lot of things together. Um, and to be best friends now is a very sweet thing that I know is rare. And so in some ways, we just wanted to help people realize that in the middle of your mess, God can still use it and make something beautiful of it. And so we did, we just kind of started dreaming and. It all started with just a burden to help people. So, you know, mom's always done that with either conferences or little things here and there. And so this was just an opportunity for us to do something together, which was a huge honor and privilege to me. Just because, you know, when you get to write something with a best friend, when you didn't know if you would ever be best friends, because, well, I wasn't the easiest child. So, you know, it's just been a sweet gift and a lot of fun to do together. So it's been fun.
2: Yeah, it really has been. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love the heart. the message behind the book, because here on Real Talk with Rachel, that is my heart of just letting people know, hey, none of us are perfect. In case you've given, you've had that illusion, especially I know social media feeds into that greatly. And um, I hear that a lot in counseling, people thinking their life is the only one that's a mess, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the only one here. And I think the enemy loves to keep us in that place of thinking, this is just me. So I appreciate two things. One, Debbie, how you mentioned that, you know, y'all wanted to be real about it yeah, and just mm-hmm. show people, hey, no matter where you are in life, in ministry, right. it doesn't go away. And then also, I love how you mentioned, Elaine, that um, the your, y'all's friendship, yeah. right? Because that isn't that life. And that's, I even just feel like biblical of we're going to go through hard things, but if you can link arms yeah. and how much even more cool when it's your mom or your right. daughter that you can link arms with and say, we're going to do this together. So that, right. I love that. All right. So the devotional is full of a lot of your stories. You yeah. guys are just getting honest and sharing some things, which I love that. Um, I would love for each of you, Elaine, if you want to start and just share maybe one of your favorite stories that you wrote about in The Good Mess.
1: I mean, honestly, there are several. We really do reflect on a lot of our life. Probably my favorite, because it took the most amount of faith, was me opening up more about like my past and just some things that maybe I've never fully opened up publicly about, um, and just the real mess and where I really was and how God's grace found me in that. So I think the whole book, there's just lots of funny stories of being a mom and raising kids and, you know, all sorts of different things. There's a story about my son and um, making a whole mess in our house. And I had two options to laugh or to cry. And so I chose to laugh in the moment because joy seemed better than grieving. And so <laughs> there's just all these moments where I saw God step into a very messy situation. Um, but probably the one that was my favorite because it took the most amount of faith was diving into some of my my really nasty part of the story of my past and seeing God step into it. And even in this moment, seeing him even redeem it enough to be able to tell another friend, hey, God can redeem this. And even just to see where we've come in this moment of, you know, we weren't, we really weren't always friends. I really wasn't the best child um, underneath there. I made it difficult. So to see even now to be oh, we can do this together is really cool. Yeah, Yeah.
0: well, I love that you mentioned too that I know I can relate to that of the stories that we're most hesitant to share. Yeah, Usually when we share them are the ones that actually help the most people Yeah, because they raise their hand and they go, I thought I was the only one who maybe had, and they may not have the exact same story, but what they can relate to is the shame of their past. Right. The things that, you know, just felt so heavy. And they're like, oh, you mean to tell me I'm not alone in this? Like, that's right. so freeing. So if there's a listener who does not know your story, yeah. can you share a little a glimpse of that for them?
1: Yeah, I, really, I was a teenager. I kind of got lost into looking for myself in all the wrong places and all the worldly things of, you know, drugs and partying and boys and just the impurities of the world. And so I really started pursuing love and the worldly things of life. And so it wasn't until I was 19, where I really kind of hit my rock bottom place. And I said, Okay, God, like, if you want me, you can have me. And that's really when our, I would say almost our friendship started, because I got authentic and a true friendship can't happen when one person isn't real or authentic in the fr- relationship and up until that point my life and my relationship with my parents have been full of lies and so at that point it all broke and we I became very authentic with them, got saved and really took a road to freedom and recovery and I think that was the other thing about the book is you talked about shame coming off me, it, it was another layer of shame coming off just writing it and saying like look how far you've come to be able to sit on the other side of the story and write about God's goodness, you know, because there was a time, even in walking the road to freedom, you know, a lot of people think, oh man, I got saved and I should be free of all my addictions. And it's like, no, I've got a journey ahead of me. And so, even to be able to look back and be like, man, that was a decade ago and I can see the hand of God through the whole decade has been really, really sweet. And so, a lot of it was just freedom from everything in the world that told me it would heal me or make me feel full or fill the void. And none of it worked. And so, you know, I just kind of, I had to give up on what the world was saying, and I found a whole lot of hope in Jesus, and that was where I landed. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember when I first heard you share your story, I loved it because I can relate a lot to it. I was a pastor's kid as well and had a rebellious teen phase. And I remember, I know for myself, and again, as I've counseled women, I've noticed those of us who grew up in church, mm-hmm. I think the shame can sit a little bit heavier sometimes because okay. we have this little voice that's going, well, I knew better. Like, I sat in the services. I heard the gospel and I still walked away, mm-hmm. right? And so what would you, how would you encourage the listener who's like, that? Was, they may not be a pastor's kid, but right. they grew up in church, right? Yeah. And they had that season where something, where they walked away from the Lord.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's the prodigal son's story. Yeah, He lived in the house and he still chose, there must be something better out in the world for me. And it's that whole theory of the grass is greener on the other side, and it really isn't true. The grass is greener where you spend time, mm-hmm. you know? And so like how you care for it. And so even the prodigal son said, there must be more out there for me. And he went looking and then he found himself in a pig's pen and he was like, Oh, this is terrible. I don't like this at all. And that was really my story. I was out partying one night. Everybody had been drinking a lot, and um, we had to clean up the house before the parents got home. And so there was a moment where somebody had spilled their beer, and I went to go clean it up, and I picked up a magazine. Well, at that time, my parents had the honor and privilege of being featured on um, a Christian magazine, and so they're on the cover, and wouldn't you know it, that was the magazine that the beer had spilled all over. And so I remember picking up that magazine and beer dripping off of it, and I remember thinking, why am I here when I belong there? And it wasn't about like who my parents were or the worldly definition of where they stood and their fame or their abilities or any of that. It was a realization that in their eyes, they had a hope that I didn't have. And so there was just something to go, I want to go home because that's where safety is. I don't want to keep striving. And so I would just tell the person that's like, man, I walked away that the father's still on the front porch. And one of my favorite things about the prodigal son is it says that when the son started coming home, the father noticed him. And it says he ran out while he was still a long ways off. And the best part about this is that you don't have to journey home alone because the father met him while he was a long ways off and walked home with him. And so that's what I would tell you is the home is still available to you and the father's awaiting you. And as soon as you turn, you have somebody that will walk that road of freedom with you until you're back in that safe place that you know you want to be in. And that was me. As soon as I turned, I mean, I remember I got saved and it wasn't but a couple weeks later, mom had asked me a question across the table. We were at dinner or at like my parents' house. And she leaned across the kitchen table and asked me a question that I didn't feel like I could answer. And in that moment, we were like, we should talk. So that night was actually the night I told them everything I had been living in which by the way it's not an easy thing as a 19 year old to tell your parents all your sin and you know who you've been sleeping with and all the drinking and the drugs and all the things that you've been doing and it wasn't an easy conversation but I will tell you when you bring something to the light you bring a lot of freedom into that because the enemy works in darkness and so that's really when a lot of my journey of freedom started too but I wasn't alone now I had parents on my side I had a counselor on my side I had friends on my side that actually helped me learn a new way of thinking, a new habit, a new way of life. And that made a big difference in my world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like to tell people if you can't talk about it, it owns you. Yeah. And so that's what you did. You went to this place of I'm talking about it. I don't know what it's going to look like, but Mm -hmm. it might get messier before it gets cleaned up. And that's okay. Cause now you had help to clean it up together. Yeah. Um, And I also felt like you just gave a word to somebody there that I want to repeat that the father is still on the front porch. Yeah. Somebody need to hear that today. Like just come home. He's waiting. Like, he's not mad at you. He's not ready to strike you down. He just wants, he wants his daughter back. So I love that. Well, Debbie, how about you? What was one of your favorite stories that you shared?
2: Well, mine's a whole lot (laughs) louder. That's all right. That's all right. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite is when I was a little girl, I I tell the story in the book, but my mom, We were having dinner guests that night. I guess somebody was coming to stay with us. And we cleaned the house like the Queen of England was coming. And uh, I felt like we cleaned baseboards, we mopped the floors, we vacuumed. But as a crowning plan to dinner, she had planned a pie for dessert. And uh, this pie had a graham cracker crust and then a layer of um, bananas. And then a cream cheese filling that had to set in the refrigerator before you put the topping on it. And so my mom was taking this pie to put it into the refrigerator and we dropped it onto the floor. I don't know how it happened, but splat, there is pie all over our floor. And, you know, the air went out of the room. Like, we're like, ah! (laughs) and my mom says, get a spoon. And we sat down on the floor and ate what we wanted of the pie and laughed about it. And then we cleaned it up and and went on about our day. And I think that's um, really what the Lord does for us. Like we can have our best plans and it, it can just drop on the floor and be really a mess. But he'll let us take the moment to learn from it and enjoy it and even laugh at ourselves or laugh at the situation and when we do I think it somehow we find new encouragement in it. you know
0: yeah I love that you guys just sat down and ate
2: yeah I don't know that as a
0: mom I would do that (laughs) I don't know that I would yeah (laughs) but I love that lesson even I think it's kind of cool too considering the story Lane just told us that weren't you guys at a kitchen table whenever yeah. she told you about her mess and, you know, obviously you didn't sit and eat with her about her mess, but it's just that same generational thing that we see of like, you learn these things of instead of being afraid of the mess mm-hmm. and backing away and yelling about the mess, it's like, let's just dig into it. Yeah. <laughs> let's deal with it. Let's make the most of this and figure it out together. So I mean I it kind of took
1: taking a spoon and sitting down <laughs> yeah. through my life too. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not as joyous or tasteful, but yeah.
0: did you know I sent a monthly therapist thoughts email? Now I promise it's not your average newsletter. Each month, I share a personal note from me. Can't find it anywhere else on the internet. I share my favorite finds, podcast updates, and a free therapy resource. If you want to go sign up for that or really any of the other free resources that I have, go to RachelGilbert.com. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. Click the freebies tab and then click Therapist Thoughts to join the community. Okay. So Elaine, you mentioned a couple of times that y'all's relationship hasn't always been like Mm -hmm. best friends. How has that changed over the years? And you can both answer this if you want, or either one of you.
1: I think for me, it changed. Like I said, the authenticity of level change. There's a level of maturity that has to happen too. She had to be my mom for a certain amount of years, but there was a level of authenticity of choice for me to come back into the relationship. But then I also think, and what I would say to a younger generation that is wanting to befriend their parents is – I I realized the honor I had and have in being her friend. So when she did open up about little things and I felt like, and not that I don't think she was purposefully testing me, but there were times where I felt like she told me something and I knew it was a little seed to steward. And now I feel like I've been given bigger seeds to steward of things that she's processed with me or told me. But I realized early on when our relationship, I became an adult and we we started the friendship side of it. I realized early on you need to treat this with respect and honor. In the same way I would if you and I were in friendship and you're telling me, Hey, here we are, let's, you know, let's talk about this and you tell me a secret, you know, if I go talking about it, I've broken the trust. But when it's our mom, sometimes we don't necessarily think about it as a friend. And so I I feel like I would tell a younger generation, you've you've gotta kinda of earn your level of trust in that. And so I really do think some of our friendships started when I became a little bit more authentic and carried a maturity enough to go, oh, this is a gift to steward, and I want to steward it well. So,
2: Yeah, as a mom, you know, when a child is born, we're their everything. We're the provider. We're their nurturer. We're everything in their life. And as they grow, we, we're the – example, the instructor, the enforcer. There comes a time when kids only want us to be the provider and the driver. You know, they don't really want the instruction, the encourager. They don't want us to be any of those things. They just want us to provide money and to get them to their events. And But then as children grow older, we're, we move from more the instructor to the counselor. And I realize now that I have adult kids that uh, they have a choice to listen to me. They have a choice to ask me to weigh in on things. Uh, I do throw in some freebies, even (laughs) if I tell myself not to. I do throw in some freebie advice along the way. But I also know that it's up to them. They don't have to listen to me, and I can't be upset as Elaine's an adult, makes a decision that I disagree with. You know, uh, for the most part, I'm overwhelmingly proud of all of my kids' decisions. But every now and then I'm like, but I would have done it different, you know, <laughs> just, just because we're different adults. And uh, But just embracing that our kids are adults. They hear God. And when they allow us to give a little, little nudge or a thought, that's great. But at the same time, they don't have to. And I think it takes the tension out of the relationship where we can be, be friends, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. As I have a teenager, my oldest reminds me a bit of you, Elaine, but I don't know if you were like this or not, but, um, she likes to debate everything. I mean, she does this
1: at competition. I don't think I was that way at yeah. all. I, mean, I just yeah. felt like I had a better way of doing it, uh-huh. you know, than what was being yeah. suggested. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. So I, I feel this, I feel this deep right now. Um, <laughs> all right. So Elaine, what is one of your childhood memories that gives the audience a peek at what you do now? First of all, I'll tell them what you do now.
1: Uh, so my husband and I live in Houston and we are pastors of a church in the area there Gateway Church Houston and so um, I serve on staff there as a teaching pastor um, kind of oversee different things here and there and so and then I'll just travel and speak and do different things and so probably the childhood memory I always had a ability to capture like I, I've always had a leadership anointing I feel like a lot of people do so I saw leadership. I mean, I didn't necessarily acknowledge as leadership as a child, but I always had an ability to love the leading of people. And so, and I enjoyed that side of it. Even as like a little girl, I always felt like I had something that everybody should hear. So I would line up my baby dolls and so, and I would give them a piece of paper and note and pen, because I knew what I was about to say they should take notes on. And so, you know, I didn't even have full words. And so I was Mm -hmm. always teaching and I even... One of my favorite seasons was as a teenager, I served in kids' ministry, and I loved twos and threes. I mean, I loved it so much, I got to help with writing curriculum and do different things. And so, a lot of my childhood of the teaching and the equipping, I didn't realize would be what God would use in me now, but I knew He was stirring a gift. Like, I just enjoyed that side of it. And it's just kind of how I've always been.
2: She was a little offended when she went to kindergarten (laughs) and the teacher didn't let her teach. (laughs) I mean, I had a very good reason. So, you know, yeah. She really felt like she could do a better job than than her adult teacher.
1: (laughs) She didn't give us paper and pen. That's why, you know? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh,
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, so Debbie, this is a fun question for you. If a younger Debbie met you today, what would she be be most surprised by?
2: I think she'd be surprised by everything. Uh, Yes. Like I, I knew I was called to ministry, but I didn't have a clue what it was going to look like. And I didn't put any parameters on it. Like it was going to be a certain size church or we're going to travel or I didn't have any, any real context. I just knew I was going to somehow be in ministry. And was excited to serve the Lord, you know, whatever. But yeah, when I think about younger Debbie, I think she'd be pretty surprised how well things turned out. Uh, She would never think she would write a book (laughs) and neither would her English teacher. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like, I don't think younger Debbie would have ever thought she would travel as far as she has, or have the opportunities that I've had. So, I think when you when you submit your life to God, he gives you opportunities that will overwhelm you and bless you and, and uh, surprise you. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's probably why I've always been so inspired by you because I think I thought about this question for myself. I'm like, yeah, younger Rachel would have never thought I'd be doing, even just sitting here talking yes. with you guys and doing this kind of stuff. But that's what I love. I love watching women of God like yourself and Elaine submit the, their lives to the Lord and not strive to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Just go along for the ride, right? We're yeah. just following Jesus. And when he says go, we're like, okay, where, where are we going now? And just right. following him through the doors that he opens. You just don't see that very much anymore. I, I don't think um, not as much as I would love to see it. And so that's why I've, I've always been inspired I by do you. I
2: think sometimes we aspire to something like we feel like God's calling us and he And then we, we put a a expectation on what that's going to look like. And I think sometimes it does seem a little prideful, you know, like it's not enough just to be a servant. You have to have the big fancy platform. And uh, I think God honors people who just say, I I love you and I'll do whatever you want me to do. So, yeah, yeah. I was just, in the message version,
0: it reminds me. I took a screenshot of it, so I'll pull it up. Uh, it reminds me of this this morning when I saw this. It says, "Don't be impressed with charisma; look for character." Yeah. So, reminded me of that. Of uh, obviously, charisma is great, but mm-hmm. character really is what gets mm-hmm. you gets you where you're. The Lord wants to take us and keeps us there. All right. Now, both of you are pastors' wives. What would you say to other wives who are in the mess of things right now and need encouragement? Because obviously all of our listeners are not pastors' wives, but a lot of them are wives. (laughs) And they have husbands who do stuff that, you know, um, they maybe are a part of in different ways. And so what would you say to the wife listening
2: to that? I, I would say if today's a bad day, hang on. There's better days coming. Hang in there. Keep doing the right things. I understand what it's like to have maybe your marriage not as on solid ground as you want it to be, Uh, or, I mean, let's face it, we live with, I don't mean that's disrespectful to men, but a foreign species. (laughs) They think different than we do. They act different than we do. Their needs are different than ours. So sometimes it's just hard to understand them. And um, again, I mean, no disrespect. But just finding ways to connect with each other, finding ways of bonding with one another, serving one another, it takes a lot of work. So some days are not going to be glorious. Some days are going to be really, really hard. But uh, as one that's 43 years into marriage, it's worth the fight to stay in it because it does get better. So. Yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that I've learned a lot from mom is that I would guard your words in the hard days because there's still seeds that you're planting. And so, you know, guarding, you will get more done praying about it than you will complaining about it. And so even the frustration of, man, I really wish they would help more with the kids or man, I wish they would see me doing this or, you know, just the, the different things that come up. I would guard who you're listening to. And one of those could be social media. You know, you're seeing a picture of someone else's marriage and you're saying, well, obviously their marriage is better than mine. And it may not be. They could have filmed that three weeks ago and they're just now posting it, you know. And so there's a lot of false realities that could be also in your mind. And so when I have been in a hard place, because obviously I mom's generation, they didn't necessarily have a ton of social media in their earlier years of their marriage. And so um, for me, when I feel like I'm in a hard place, I've actually gotten off of social media because I feel like it just feeds a toxic story in my head. Um, and then I'm very careful in those days to watch my words. And that is something I really feel like I've watched my mom do is she's very intentional with her words in those moments and really intentional. Uh, she's told me my whole life timing is everything. I've never understood it. I'm still trying to learn that for but there is something about it like man if you're in a high stress season with your spouse timing is everything this isn't the time to talk about your next big dream or you know the things going on like this is the time to just pray together or just fight you know fight against the enemy that's coming against your marriage and then sow seeds of joy into your marriage sow seeds of laughter into your marriage or even just life like this will get better hold on it's getting better you know and just choosing those wisely for me that has been probably the biggest thing is I guard my surroundings and I guard my words in those tough places because they are, I feel like I can just send myself into a really dark tunnel if I don't.
0: Yeah, for sure. I love how practical that is. I started to giggle when you were saying the timing is everything because I had a bit of a flashback to our early years of marriage and before I had learned that the timing is everything thing and we'd be falling asleep at midnight and hey how dare you you know like bring up a fight bring up something that bothered you from the day and then we'd be up fighting for a couple of hours and you know not not, I don't advise that you know not a good idea (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. there's sometimes I feel like we mistake the scripture like don't go to bed angry it's like I'm falling asleep but I'm angry I've got to bring it up now it's like no you don't yeah you can give it to the Lord and then you can just say we'll talk about it you know and I think that's the other thing is I would guard the beliefs you have about your spouse. You know, like they're not out to get you. I don't believe it was intentional, but the enemy will come in and tell you like, oh, they were trying to run over your foot with the car. And it's like, no, they weren't. Like they, and I'm not saying that's a literal thing. I mean, with their words, like yeah. they're just trying to bully you or whatever. It's like, no, they're not. They probably don't even know that you're upset about it. Like they're over there snoring and they don't even know that they've hurt your feelings, you know? And so just guarding the beliefs about your spouse so you can love them tomorrow, you know, is a really... I don't know. Just a crucial thing to do. So you've done that better than I have, Mom, because y'all have been through things, but we're not married as long. Yeah. All been through things. Right.
2: Every person that's been married, you've been through things. That's true. But you build on those. You build on the things that you've been through. And you know that next time something Mm -hmm. comes up, it it should inspire you to have faith for for this season that's hard because you made it through other seasons. Right. yeah,
0: yeah. You know, one thing as you were talking about how on social media we can we can look at other people's lives and right now we're talking about marriage, but and just think, oh wow, theirs is so perfect and mine isn't. Something that's always bothered me and I think I've kind of found a little bit of a workaround even in my own life is I'm like, if I looked at my social media page as a stranger, I would probably go, Wow, she's perfect. She's got it all together. And I'm like, well, I don't like that. But so that makes me want to share stories. But then you also don't want to expose people. You know how Mm. you said, like, you know, if my husband did something that wasn't the best, I'm like, I'm not going to get on social media and be like, hey, just so you know, we're not perfect either because he just did this. I'm like, well, now that's rude to him, you know, to share with everybody that this just happened. So my only little workaround is I'll tell stories on myself. But one that came to mind just a little bit ago is, again, this uh, is we were in the first two years of marriage and. Uh, we'd gotten into a little fight and um, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I'm going to continue sharing it. And I was mad at him. Can't tell you why, but I saw a bag of half-eaten chips on the counter and I reached over and I grabbed it and then I threw it at him. Now, the funny part of the story is I missed. So (laughs) he was biting his cheeks, trying not to laugh because he knew if I laugh right now, I'm (laughs) in even deeper trouble. (laughs) But anyhow, so I I was just like, I'll tell a story of myself because I'm like, People need to know. Like, yes. there, there's these little things that happen. Now, if I had done that just yesterday, I may not be, you know, sharing it right now. I just chunked a bag of chips at my husband and missed, yeah, you know, yeah. in case you're wondering. But been the know. next thirty
1: minutes cleaning up my <laughs> yeah. own mess. You yeah, know? yeah,
0: exactly. Um, okay. Well, so Debbie, I actually have something I want to ask you real quick. Um, you gave me this advice years ago. You said my ministry at home gives me the platform for all other ministry opportunities. If I don't do ministry at home well no one should listen to me. Now this advice, it stuck with me and it guided many of my decisions over the years. So here's my question for you though. What does making our ministry at home, our first priority look like on a daily basis?
2: I think it's prioritizing. And sometimes that means shutting out social media. Sometimes that means uh, saying no to friends. Uh, We can all become too busy or invested in other people's lives. And even I hate to say this, we can even become so busy in our kids' lives that we miss having a priority toward our husbands. And so I think we just have to be very intentional about being aware of what our spouse needs. And right now, I think... Uh, you might think that I've done it really well, and I haven't. <laughs> there have been so many times that I've been so clueless and then realize, oh, he's really hurting in this area, and I, I should have been way more attentive to his needs. But I was busy with kids, busy with work, busy with my own activities and expected him to, like, understand that I was busy, you know, but keeping... Your marriage a priority. Uh, I always felt like if he and I were strong, uh, we may not raise our kids perfectly. We're, we would make mistakes. But we were providing a foundation for them. And and together we would somehow overcome the weaknesses of our parental decisions.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I love that. And I love to, you know, I appreciate you men- saying that, We might assume you've just been perfect at this. And you're like, no, I haven't been. Um, And it goes back to the theme of this devotional of just, hey, we we don't get things right. But the difference is we have the Holy Spirit who taps us on the shoulder and says, um, you're kind of missing it on that. You might need to circle back around and ask for some forgiveness and recalculate. Uh, Elaine, I wanted you to share, as we kind of wrapped up today, um, you talk about something um, that's called irregular heartbeats. I found this fascinating. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well... I'll start with a personal story. My son is seven at the time and he loves school. But a couple weeks ago or last year, actually in school, he had a day where he just did not want to go to school and it didn't make sense to me. And so I, you know, I'm trying to figure out why and different things. And so we send him to school because, you know, we have things to do and talking about your ministry should be first to your family. I'm like, it's okay. But after a little bit, I realized I need to lean in on this one. And so for me, irregular heartbeats are those moments that just don't feel like normal. So whether it's with a coworker, a spouse, or a child, something feels off. And there are a couple of ways you can handle an irregular heartbeat. One, you can just demand it to beat regularly. Or two, you can evaluate why it's beating irregularly like why do you have an extra heartbeat in this moment and so there are different things you know I can have a coworker that says an offhanded comment towards me and it feels like an irregular heartbeat that doesn't sound like her that doesn't seem normal so I have one of two things well that's nothing I'm not going to pay attention to it or go man something must be going on here did I overstep did I hurt her feelings or you know is something going on in their personal life and so for me even with Preston when that happened, I realized this is an irregular heartbeat for him. And I can demand that it beats regularly and keep sending him to school and keep trying to make this happen and ignore it. Or I can evaluate it and go, what's really going on? Well, come to find out he had believed a lie that he wasn't really liked at school and he wasn't doing well. And he was just struggling with some, you know, lies that he was telling himself. And we were able to talk those out. And now he's back at school and he loves it and he's having a great time. But there's just that moment in time where somebody gives you just the insight that something is off. And that's kind of like even mom was just talking about of like ministry, you know, your husband says something and it just feels off. Well, I would call it an irregular heartbeat. And then what are you going to do with that? And how are you going to treat it? Um, because honestly, untreated irregular heartbeats will lead to a lot more disaster in the long run or destruction in the long run than you just taking the time to evaluate it. Because it could be a very simple fix or it could be something that's more time consuming, so to say, as a fix. But that's really where the whole idea came from. I felt like it was something the Lord dropped in my heart of just how are you handling the irregular heartbeats in your world? Because they're all around you. And do you notice them? And are you aware enough to love people back to health, so to say?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love how just practical that is. I know I'm going to remember it and for the listeners in the alphabet DE, I just yeah. remember DE demand do I am I going to demand it or am I going to stop and evaluate it? Yeah. And um, choose the evaluating and for me that plays into choosing people over projects because yeah. it is going to re- it will require us to sacrifice something. It might be my time, it might be my energy when I've just been at a long day of work and now my teenage daughter needs more counseling. And I'm like, all right, I thought I was going to bed. I guess I'm not. Right. But it is sometimes I make the wise choice and I choose to give up some sleep over that or like you said, just push forward. But then it shows up again later and we're forced to deal with it. It's not a choice. Now we're in heart surgery. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Okay, I would love for us just to wrap up with both of you answering, if the reader could only take away one thing from the devotional, which, side note, I kind of hated when people would ask me this question about my book, because I'm like, I wrote a whole book on it. How do you want me to, you want me to wrap that up in one sentence? But let's just try. Like, if you were like, you know what, if all you could hear today, I say from the devotional, but even just from our conversation today, that you're just like, if you could take this home with you and apply it, I would just be so happy right now. What would that be for each of you?
2: I would want readers to know that God is gracious. He's so good. And his plans for us are so so good. So if we could, the mess that you're in, it's not unfixable. It's cleanable. It's uh, redeemable. It has a purpose and a plan to it. Like you may not understand it, but God can take it and use it and truly, truly redeem it. So if you can just, whatever it is, find God in the situation and obey, take the next step. He will amaze you with his goodness and his kindness.
1: Yeah. I think I share about this or we share about it in the book a little bit too. There's a woman named Hannah in the Bible that comes to a situation and she's desperate for God to fix her situation, but she has an encounter with him and her situation doesn't change, but her countenance changes because she had an encounter with him. And I think for me, I would pray that every single person would encounter God. Because if you encounter Him, your situation may not change right away, but man, your countenance could. You could find joy in the middle of it. You could find grace in the middle of it. You could realize that it's purposeful. In Psalms 23, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, and I think there's a lot of things God's going to call us to go through, but He's still with us because it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I think that's really the heart behind this, is that every single person would turn to God in the middle of the messiest situation and realize he's still in control.
0: Amen. I love that. Okay. So as we officially wrap up, where can listeners connect with you and buy a copy of The Good Mess?
1: Um, Anybody can go to Amazon or thegoodmessbook.com and they can learn more about the book there, or of course it's on Amazon or anywhere else you shop.
0: Perfect. Well, Elaine and Debbie, thank you for coming on the show. Thank, thank you for you, writing Rachel. the book.
1: Yes. Thank, thank you so you. much.
0: It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. And Honestly, this book that Debbie and Elaine have written made this segment very easy for me today because at the end of every short chapter in this devotional book, they have something called Finding Beauty in the Mess, right? And I love this because I love practical, as you know. And what it is, is it's some form of a prompt for us to reflect on. And here's the one that I pulled from the book. It says, what messes can you rejoice in today now i know for some of us that feels like an odd thing to consider right to go wait you want me to actually look at my messes through the lens of gratitude hold on hold on hold on but yes and i'm gonna start so if you listen to all of today's episode you heard me share briefly my story of throwing a half eaten bag of chips at my husband and missing now i'll I'll have you know that you know matt and i've been married for 18 years now and i think that's the first time even my aunt debbie and cousin elaine had heard that story because guess what we don't run around telling on ourselves on these stories right And here's the interesting thing about that bag of chips. First of all, I want you to know nobody was harmed in the throwing of the bag of chips in case you were like, oh, no, her poor husband. And don't worry. It really was a funny thing that actually ended up totally breaking the ice of the stupid thing we were fighting about, right? And he started giggling. I started giggling. It's quite humorous now. And and, and anyhow, it's just a humorous thing to look back on. But... Well, that was a messy part of our marriage, right? Like me throwing a half-eaten bag of chips, missing, and then I made a mess with the bag of the chips because they fell open and now there's chips on the floor. And that's funny, right? There's mess in that. But here's really the most beautiful thing that came from that. When I turn back and I look. In the moment, I didn't know that this was going to be something beautiful. The beautiful thing that came was it showed myself And my husband, a couple of things. One, it showed me at the time, I was not very good at feeling and processing and definitely not good at vocalizing emotions. I was what they call a stuffer. And I'm not talking about stuff in my bra. I stuffed my emotions And I spent most of my life stuffing. And when people would say, hey, how are you doing? I was the, I'm fine, girl. Or, you know, if my husband's like, did I, you know, make you mad? Nope, totally fine. But yet giving him the silent treatment and inside just fuming. And so I know for me, there was, you know, some season of my life where I would appear so calm, cool, and collected on the outside. But then every now and then there would be a volcanic eruption and thankfully, I never hurt anybody physically in those volcanic eruptions, but I'm almost certain I probably hurt some people with my words, especially my husband, especially, you know, those who were closest to me. And, you know, when I look back on that silly thing of me throwing a bag of chips, that was the first thing that gave me a visual representation of what was happening in my heart. I had a lot of hurt and things that needed to be dealt with. And that moment was a wake up call for me to go, oh, my if we don't stop and learn how to deal with some of these things not all i'm going to do much worse than throwing half eaten bags of chips right and so for me that was a wake up call and for my husband as well we we both started to learn how to communicate better and you know we both had different unhealthy ways of communicating with each other and that was just it was a mess right an embarrassing mess of these chips but the lord has used that over the years to show me, hey, there's some things happening in your heart I need you to deal with, because he's so kind and loving and gracious in that. So I want to ask you that today. What story maybe came to mind for you as you were listening to me chat with Debbie and Elaine and even just me sharing my chip story here? What story? Yours might be as lighthearted as mine, as as the throwing a half-eaten bag of chips, but maybe you're listening and you're going, oh, Rachel, it's so much worse than that. You don't even know. My friend, I do know, and I have so many messy stories in my past that I could sit if it was just you and me across the table having coffee and share with you. But here's what I want you to know. We all have extremely messy stories that we think disqualifies us, makes us unlovable, stacks on shame and condemnation and all the things. But I also want you to know that that's exactly why Jesus came. In fact, if it weren't for our mess, we wouldn't even recognize the depth of our depravity to turn and go, whew, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And to turn to Jesus and go, Jesus, I can't clean up this mess on my own. Will you come join me in it? And that's what he specializes in, okay? So I just want to encourage you with that. And I'm going to close out here as we pray. Father, I thank you for every single listener who is sitting under the sound of my voice. I thank you that they chose to tune in today. That is not an accident. Holy Spirit, you know exactly what each listener needs to hear the day these release. and I just pray that you meet them right where they're at. As you bring to mind some messes that they maybe have had in the past or even are currently in that just feel hopeless that Father, You would swoop in and do what only you can do. That you would take a mess that the enemy might have been telling them, it's too late for you. You've gone too far. And you say, oh, no. Oh, no, dear child. This is where I specialize. And you come in and you take that mess. You turn it into a message. You show us the good in it help us be grateful and see the the fruit, the life that could spring forth from a place that seemed like was dry bones. So I just speak that right now, any area of your life as you're listening today that just feels like it is dead. We just say dry bones come back to life in Jesus name. Amen. Well, hey, I want to just remind you, make sure to get a copy of The Good Mess. This is such a great book to gift to other women in your life. I mean, it's a devotional. I am the devotional queen over here. I start my day with them. Of course, I get in the word too, but I just love them. And I love, I've had a chance to read the book and get the copy in my hands early. And it's just so encouraging. And there's going to be something in there for everybody. All right. Well, I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. And I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.